Mark chapter 1, what a loaded chapter. Wow. Have you guys had that same feeling as we've preached and talked through it? It's been just jam-packed, and we're not done yet. Uh, by way of review, just real quick-like, we've seen John baptizing in the wilderness, preparing the way. We've seen Jesus baptized, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We've seen Jesus tempted by Satan um, and very successfully withstood that temptation. We've seen Jesus begin his ministry proclaiming what? The gospel of God. We've seen the calling of Peter and Andrew and James and John. We've seen Jesus teach with such authority that people were amazed. Wow. We've seen him cast out demons. We've seen him silence the demons he cast out. Showing his authority over them. What more could Mark jam into one little chapter? 45 verses. It's absolutely amazing. We're going to read, if you're turning your Bibles to the first chapter of Mark, we're going to cover, Lord willing, verses 29 through 45. I'd ask you when you've found your place, if you would stand for the reading of the word. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they took or they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he wouldn't permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of God. Okay, you can be seated. 
after reading that, you do realize that we could spend a lot of time in those verses, right? We could spend hours unraveling them. I can see the fear in some of your eyes, but I, I promise to be uh, brief, uh, as brief as possible without missing um, any uh, good major points. So we're going to cover a lot of stuff today. There's things that we can't talk about in the detail and depth I'd like to, but uh, you guys can at home. You don't have to um, stop at noon today or however long it takes. When you get home, uh, dig deeper. I'll point out uh, some places that I think are good points to ponder. Um, and maybe this week you guys dig a little bit deeper uh, and we can discuss them perhaps during the week. So uh, let's take a look. And we're just going to simply go through, uh, walk our way right through the scripture. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, let's pray again before we before we do that. Father, as we open your word this morning and prepare to, to discuss and, and teach, Father, I pray that you keep us focused on your message here in these scripture for us. Father, I pray that everything that's said, Father, everything that's heard and understood, Father, um, is accurate um, and serves to glorify you. Please ask in Christ's name. Amen. In verse 29, And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Pastor Dale has pointed out to us already that Mark loves to use the word immediately. 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 Uh, and it's, I understand that. Look at how much stuff we've covered already in chapter 1. He's moving us quickly through here. Um, and this first verse, they, they move from the synagogue to Peter's house. And Mark insinuates it kind of happened quickly. There's a, um, that synagogue that's in Capernaum has been found and excavated. There is a synagogue actually built on top of an older synagogue. The older of the two dates back to the first century and would have been where Jesus taught and cast the demon out. Uh, you, you can see it today if you travel there. There's also a house in close proximity that has been um, excavated, and they found some cool stuff. There's some religious graffiti uh, and things that indicate it was probably at some point in time used as a church, uh, or at least a meeting place. And it's also historically known and tied to Peter, being the house of Peter. And guess how far it is from the synagogue? <laughs> it's about 90 feet from the synagogue. So they could have came out and arrived at the house super quick. Um, it's interesting that uh, the scripture reads that way. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told me about her. Mark's favorite word again. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. Interesting. I, I must admit, the first thing that pops out to me in these couple of verses is not the healing of the lady. The first thing that pops out to me is 
it's Simon's mother-in-law, which means Simon must have had a wife. Peter had a wife. Interesting, we got that little tidbit right here in the first chapter of Mark. Paul sheds a little more light in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9 when he says, Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? So evidently, Peter's wife also traveled uh, with him later some. Um, it's, it's interesting that they told Jesus immediately about Peter's mother-in-law. Why did they tell him about Peter's mother-in-law? It's early in his ministry. They've seen him, heard him teach with great authority. They've seen him cast out demons. You think they were looking for something from him? <laughs> I think so. What did Jesus do? He touched her, lifted her, and her illness left her. And she began to serve. Interesting. He touched her. If you look at the same um, healing in Luke's gospel, Luke says that Jesus rebuked the fever. And I'm sure that Jesus took her by the hand and rebuked the fever. It's interesting to me, though, and this is a ponder, a ponder point, that Mark only mentions he touched her. Wow. Jesus can heal with simply a touch. He has authority over demons. He has authority over physical illness. He has total authority here just in the first half of the first chapter of Mark. Peter's mother-in-law was well immediately and began to serve. How many of you guys have had some sort of flu, cold, crud so far this year? Most everybody, right? Some of us multiple times. Uh, I had it, and it took me roughly three weeks to get back to like 90%. And here is a lady laying very ill with a fever and immediately is healed and able to get up and work and serve. He teaches with authority. He has authority over both spiritual world and the physical world. You know, it's interesting. It, it, it takes these uh, fishermen guys a good long while to figure out exactly who this man is. But they do. And we'll see that later in in Mark, uh, in chapter 8, uh, it's interesting. In Matthew's account of the same, same miracle, uh, he references Isaiah. And he says, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Wow. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he wouldn't let the demons speak because they knew him. Are you ever amazed at how fast the word of something travels? Do you guys remember uh, Keaton's here? I'm, I don't mean to embarrass him, but 
whenever the explosion at Trouble Work happened a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I forget when exactly it was, um, within an hour, people were calling me from hundreds of miles away to check on the people at Trouble Board, namely Keaton and Jacob. Um, Andrea heard about it before I did and tried to call Keaton, couldn't get no answer. And she tried, I'm sure, multiple times, couldn't get an answer. And she called me and said, she was upset. I mean, she was really upset. Um, I can't get a hold of Keaton. You know, what do we do? You know? And I thought, let me, I'll call. She wanted me to call anyway. I, I called and went right to voicemail after it run four or five times. No answer. I called again. No answer. And I know a lot of people over there. So I called somebody that I figured would know what was up with Keaton. And uh, I asked the guy, I said, have you seen Keaton? He said, yeah, I stand right here beside me. I said, well, ask him if he's got his phone with him, you know? And if he does, does it work, you know? And he asked, and Keaton called, and we got everything squared out. So if you're a kid and you're somewhere where something bad happens and your parents aren't with you, let them know that you're okay as quickly as you can. But it was amazing how fast the word got out. And, and, and people called me, and, and uh, it was just amazing. And we've got TV and cell phones and Snapchat, and I, I don't even know what all we've got. And all these folks had was word of mouth, and the word traveled that fast. They brought the people to him that evening at sundown. They came out. Why did they wait until sundown to come. Another thing to think about and point to ponder, but the Sabbath went from Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. They waited until the Sabbath was overcome and brought all who were sick and oppressed by demons, the whole city. Can you imagine, you know, put yourself there in this little cobblestone street town, uh, 1500-ish. We talked about that some in Core Doctrine. And everybody, man, the whole city is a buzz. Can you imagine the hustle and bustle? I mean, it had to be like a, a, a circus or a, a county fair or something. Uh, not a big town, but it was on fire that night, wasn't it? And at this point, Jesus was just beginning his ministry. He cast a demon out. He had healed at least one person, probably more. But look at what happened. Look back at verse 28 where Pastor Dale left off. He was famous. Jesus was famous in beyond Capernaum and into the region of Galilee. Now, do you think that the people were coming to see the Son usher in the kingdom of God? Or were they coming to see some cool religious dude that could heal your sicknesses? I, I think we know the answer there, right? It's, it's, it's interesting. And another interesting thing is he wouldn't let the demons speak. Um, <laughs> there are probably several reasons why he wouldn't let the demons speak, but certainly one of them is that he didn't want the demons witnessing to the crowd who he was. 
the Holy One of God, God's Son, God incarnate. He didn't want demons announcing the arrival of God's Son. Another point to ponder, we could talk about it a lot, but he's going to be associated with demons later by the Pharisees anyway. Um, and certainly having the demon speak and, and let everybody know that they know who he is would give those guys ammunition. And he didn't want demons introducing him to the world. But let's move on. That night, Jesus healed a lot of people. Scripture says many cast out demons and addressed their physical needs. I would imagine way into the night. We have no indication of how long it was. But uh, just, to, just to physically touch or see or address that many people would have taken a long time. Um, and I would imagine, too, that Jesus' physical body was exhausted. We know from other parts in Scripture that whenever he's touched and performs a healing, that energy is taken from his physical body. So he was wore out. Um, he was, remember, we have to remember, I, you know, when we're reading um the Gospels and, and the Epistles, I have to remind myself that Jesus was fully man. His physical body got tired, just like our physical body gets tired. And as we move on and rising very early in the morning, was up most of the night, and now here he is rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Before light, early. May have been the only chance he had to have some quiet solitude and time with his father. No distractions, no noise, just silence and prayer. Why does he do that? Why did he do that? We just talked about one reason why. Um, and it was Jesus' practice to pray, to prepare for a big task, to recharge after one, to get the energy they had spent, to deal with grief, and he prayed before making an important decision. And, and that, that's not comprehensive. That's just a, a, a checklist. You get the idea that Jesus prayed um, all the time. He was one with his Father, and he got strength. From his father fully God yet fully man he needed that close communion with his father and that's a great example for us a point to ponder right there uh, how much time do we spend in communion with the father you don't have to tell me but think about it for yourself are we better prepared to face the challenges of the world than Jesus was he prayed a lot. We act that way sometimes. But, you know, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. We must be in communion with the Father to know the things that we should do. Moving on to verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. 
So think about that. Jesus woke up early, snuck out by himself. I, I say snuck, I mean, that's probably not the right word, but he left and nobody knew where he went. Um, I imagine there's probably people sleeping out in the yard alongside the street. They brought mats and tents and can't wait till morning for Jesus to start healing again. Imagine. Just, I, I mean, I, I can see it in my mind. And, and here's Peter and the guys looking for me whenever they found him. They said, where have you been? Everybody is looking for you, man. Come on. We got more people back at the house waiting to get healed, you know? Tent revival like you've never seen fixing to happen in Capernaum. <laughs> and again, who were these people looking for? They're looking for the Lamb of God or for the nice young rabbi that can make their sickness go away. And, and I, we know the answer based upon Jesus' response to him. Jesus said, Let's go to the next town that I may preach there also. That's why I came out to preach. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let's go on to the next town that I might preach there also. Jesus came to preach the word of God, not to heal people's physical needs. There's not anything at all wrong with him healing their physical needs. Not a thing. But it's temporal and it's just physical. He came to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying, to snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. What a beautiful song. Physical healing is good, but that's not why he came. Uh, they left Capernaum because he was so swamped with people, just wanting to be healed, he couldn't teach anymore. Uh, he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. And, you know, to me, that's a good verse to ponder right there. Mark only mentions casting out demons. We know that Jesus cast out demons and heal people. Why would Mark only mention the demons? I think it's, well, I know it's purposeful, but it's, to me, emphasizing the spiritual battle's importance. So much more important than a physical condition. A point to ponder when you're at home this week. The last section in the chapter is where I want us to concentrate and we'll spend most of our time here. Um, it's it's good. It's filled with emotion, symbolism, beauty, and and at the end, kind of a conundrum. A leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said, see that you say nothing 
to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and the people were coming to him from every quarter. Wow. How much have you ever thought about leprosy or studied it or tried to find out about it? Last few weeks, I've studied it more than I have probably in my entire life before. Um, and, and it's far beyond anything that people living now can understand. It's, it's just hard, hard to understand. Uh, I want us to take a, a, a quick look at the disease. It begins in your bones and joints, festers inside, undetectable. You don't know you've got it. It works its way to the surface of the skin and makes sore places, op open sores. Swelling and discharge come from the sores. It becomes visible, and now it's detectable. The sores can be deep, open, with raw flesh visible. It's prominent on the face and head, but it gets all over the body. It eats away at support tissues, tendons, and bones so that your arms and legs may actually draw up and shrivel up. It attacks the nerves, causing numbness and a lack of feeling. You get cuts and bruises on your hands and feet because you can't feel anything. In the first century, we're walking on dirt roads and stepping on rocks and stumping our toe and uh, hurting our, our, our hands, and we can't feel it, can't feel anything. And there's no cure for it. Once you get it, it's over. That's it. That's bad. That's really bad, but that's just the beginning. That's the physical condition. We got to also take into account the social ramifications of the disease. And, and it's in the first century. That's, that's, when, um, that's when we are. How about that? We're in the first century. Once a person was found to have leprosy, and there's a long, drawn-out process to determining if it's leprosy or not. You can read all about it in Leviticus chapter 13. I implore you to read it uh, and understand it better. But just briefly, uh, you're brought to the priest. You present yourself. He examines you. And if you're obviously leprous, he announces, pronounces you unclean. Uh, however, if there's any doubt, you go into quarantine for seven days. And after seven days, if the disease has progressed and he can then determine you're unclean, you have leprosy, he does. If not, if it's still not clear, you go back into quarantine for seven more days. Um, and it's a long, arduous process to determine sometimes if you have the disease or not. If you do have the disease, you are unclean. 
And we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but the anticipation, once you've presented yourself to the priest with some kind of sore on your skin, and you're in this seven-day process, knowing if, in fact, you are determined to be unclean, it's not good. It's far worse than being diagnosed with any disease that we know in modern times. And notice, too, that it's not sick or diseased or infected. It's unclean that you're determined to be. Much, much deeper implication than just being sick. So, if you're deemed unclean, now we've introduced yet another dimension to this thing, a, a spiritual, religious dimension to it. Listen to these things. The leper was to wear torn clothes to be ragged looking. Didn't matter if he had tons of money. He was, by law, had to wear torn, ragged clothes. Had to have unkept, shaggy hair to look like a leper so everybody would know. Had to cover his face a, a special way. And if anybody approached this person, he had to yell, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine how that makes you feel inside? Wow, somebody's coming towards you and you got to tell them, stop, I'm unclean. You can't come any closer. They were to stay even at a further distance away if the wind was blowing towards the person. And, and, and there's just a lot that the leper had to do, but you get the idea, right? And never, never, never approach anyone that wasn't also unclean. It's, it's hard to it's hard to imagine it in in this day and age. You had to live alone. Now, right there's a ponder point. Think about that for a minute. Alone, without your wife, if you had one, without your husband, if you had one. Away from your children. I see lots of children here today. Can you imagine being separated? Away from your grandchildren, from your friends, away from everyone outside of the city, outside of the camp back in old, old days, outside of the assembly, no church. You couldn't gather with the church people uh, alone. Um, you know, we, a couple years ago, went through all the COVID quarantining and, um, wow, I mean, that was a, a drop in the bucket, but it gave us some kind of an idea. Um, and I'm sure that some people were quarantined alone by themselves. Uh, by and large, it was a family quarantined together, but just to give you some, some idea. So, and I, I read in a commentary, this is, I like how this guy said this. The leper was to carry about with him the usual signs of mourning for the dead. The leper was, in fact, a living parable in the world of sin, of which death 
was the wages. Wow. First century Jews thought that a poor physical condition was a punishment for sin. And we see an example of that in John chapter 9. As he passed by Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And we know what happened, right? Jesus healed him. Remember what day of the week it was? It was on the Sabbath. Um, and, and if you read back through John 9 again, it's, it's interesting. Another point to ponder. Um, in that chapter, the blind man called Jesus a prophet. And the Pharisees called him a sinner. That irony right there is deep. Read it. It's cool to ponder on it. Being a leper, back to Mark, was basically a death sentence. Basically, it was a death sentence. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Wow, Jesus touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Just like Peter's mother-in-law was healed immediately, the leper was cleansed immediately. Mark tells us that the leper knelt before Jesus. Interesting. You know, the Jewish people would not kneel before anybody except God. The leper who shouldn't even have approached Jesus came up and he knelt. Matthew and Luke both record that the leper also called Jesus Lord. But in Mark, he, he simply knelt. I think it's cool and fitting that Mark just mentions knelt because actions, we say it all the time, actions speak louder than words. You can say Lord and not really mean Lord. But kneeling, uh, wow, that's, that, that speaks volumes. And he said... He had faith to say, I know that you can make me clean. I know you can. If you will. He knew he could, but he wasn't sure if he would. He was unsure. He was out of hope. This was his only shot. Can you imagine the scene? Here's somebody dressed in ragged clothes, shaggy hair. That everybody knows is a leper. Not supposed to be, not supposed to approach people. Not supposed to be within so far. How many of Jesus' disciples do you think stayed next to him when this leper came up? I can imagine they just spread out. I can see the scene. It's just Jesus and just the guy with leprosy in the spotlight.
And Jesus answered him and said, I will be clean. In, in essence, he was saying, I know you can, but is it your will to, to cleanse me? And Jesus said, yes, it is. I will be clean. Immediately it left him. and He was made clean. And it's a point to ponder again. You need to let your mind sink into this and understand it. Um, he was made clean, not healed. He was made clean. Peter's mother-in-law was healed. Both were immediate, but this fellow was clean. Jesus shouldn't have touched him. He should not have touched this fellow according to the law. Not only were the lepers not supposed to touch anyone, but no one was supposed to touch them. And, you know, he also, the leper, broke the law by approaching Jesus. Uh, Jesus, in his compassion, touched him. Could Jesus have healed him without touching him? Absolutely. Absolutely. But he touched him. Out of compassion, he touched him. Jesus is the source of the law. Jesus supersedes the law. We could talk about Jesus and the Sabbath and the law for hours. We won't today. He gave the law to Moses. It's, I mean, wrap your mind around that. The leper's uncleanness was no impact had no impact on Jesus. Rather, Jesus' cleanness flowed into the leper. Again, what a touch. Can you imagine? This fellow hadn't felt the touch of another human being in a long time. Scripture says he was full of leprosy. So he had had it for quite some while. And, and had touched no one, and Jesus touched him. Think about this. Who can heal a leper? Only God. Only God. In the Old Testament, there are only two incidents of a leper being healed. Miriam and Naaman. Twelfth chapter of Numbers and fifth chapter of Second Kings, if you want to look it up and read about it. Uh, it was very rare, very, very rare for anyone to be healed of leprosy. Uh, and, and there was a lot of, I read several places where early rabbis would comment that it was easier to raise somebody from the dead than to heal or clean a leper. Remac <clears throat> remarkably rare. Only God can do either one of those, raise somebody from the dead or cleanse a leper. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 5, when Elisha cured Naaman, it was given in Scripture as direct evidence of him being a prophet. Direct evidence. So think about what was read earlier, what Jacob read earlier, uh, Acts 3, Peter teaching in the temple, whenever. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me. 
from your brothers and you shall listen to him and whatever he tells you and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people when Jesus cleansed the leper he was making a statement of who he is not a cool healer guy a prophet sent from God and that's exactly what those people who knew that second Kings story would have understood that he was a prophet you know the Old Testament prophets were the voice of God. This New Testament prophet was the actual word of God. Wow. That's deep. Let that sink in. And we call Old Testament prophets, you know, we divide them up major and minor. How, how, how are we going to figure this one? What are we going to say about him? <laughs> it's ultimate. The ultimate in prophetic fulfillment and embodiment he is revealing himself to the world slowly in his own time and in his own way mark moving quickly through it but jesus is revealing himself to the world with no help from the demons right no help from demons. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourselves to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus asked him not to say anything. Not to keep so much the lid on what had happened. People saw it, and Jesus sent him to the priests to even make it more known. Um, but he knew that if he told, then people with leprosy would, would, would chase him around all over Galilee. Um, and, and it was to um, enable himself to continue to to preach and teach and in just a minute we'll say a little bit more about that but just think about it I mean it's amazing he knew what the guy was going to do um, and Jesus told him to go to the priest a priest would have had to have pronounced him unclean Leviticus 13 go and read about it um, and, and in order for this guy to return to his family and his home and the church he would have had to have been formally pronounced clean all of that is spelled out in the 14th chapter of leviticus and it's a very very intricate process very detailed um and this first century priest would have never done it before he would have never done it before the priest that the leper showed himself to would know immediately that this guy has come in contact with something very, very powerful. A prophet based on 2 Kings 5 in direct communication with God. And you ever watched a movie? This is the best way I can think to explain this. You watched a movie. It's a good movie. You like it. 
and, and you get the, the big picture of it the first time you watch it, you go back and watch it again, and you notice things you didn't notice before. You know, and you're like, okay, now I get it. Yeah, that means that this and you know that fits with that and everything else. Knowing that Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. And we touched on the kingship and core doctrine this morning. I can't help but notice here that whenever Jesus pronounces the leper as clean, that he's hinting to his priesthood. Can't help it. A point to ponder. Think about that this week. Uh, what did the cleansed man do? He did exactly probably what we would have done. He went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Here is the conundrum. The leper had to stay out in desolate places as unclean. Jesus cleansed him and now Jesus is kind of forced into the desolate places. Interesting. Jesus basically traded places with him. Gave him his life back and went into desolation. Does that sound vaguely familiar? Jesus switching places with the unclean? Wow. So what does that mean for me and you? We're getting, we're getting close. Um, remember the quote that the leper was a living parable in the world of sin of which death was the wages? Paul tells us unequivocally, I mean there's no two ways about it, that we're all sinners in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If leprosy and blindness were, in fact, punishment for our actions and disobedience, we'd all have one or the other. Some, some of us, maybe both, right? But it's not. But we do have something much worse than either of those. And, and I, I just pray that you consider these things deeply. Sin. And if sin is left uncleansed, the payment for it is death. Separation from God eternally. I can't imagine eternity. I can't. I, I love... Um, astronomy as good as anybody maybe more than most it amazes me how far it is from one side of the Milky Way to the other light travels at a screaming speed and it takes 105,000 years to go from one side to the other and we're not a big galaxy there's galaxies way bigger than, than ours Andromeda is 220,000 light years it's just the the size of it. And that's just a spot in the universe. 
And if you equate that or relate it to eternity, it's nothing. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around eternity. And, and have you ever really considered how bad sin is? You know, leprosy has been said to be a, a, a parable about sin or, or that relates to sin. Listen, listen to how sin works. In the beginning, it may be undetectable, just like leprosy is undetectable. Some small little thing that we do that nobody knows about, undetectable. Over time, it works its way to the surface, and others begin to become aware of it. It's noticeable now. Causes some minor irritations and aggravations, but not too bad, right? So we continue to do it. It grows in frequency and, and it spreads into other areas of sinful behavior. Begins to eat away at the good things in our lives. The support, just like the ligaments and, and muscles and bones, it starts to eat away at relationships, quality time with our family, friends. Eventually, like leprosy numbs the digits, Eventually, we grow numb to that sin. And, and a lack of feeling overcomes us. Our heart begins to harden. This is a very, very, very dangerous point in that process of sin. We may get in trouble. We may lose things that are dear to us and even have physical damage to our bodies because of sin. And we can't feel it. We don't realize it. We can't feel it anymore. And like leprosy, we can't cure it. There is no cure for it. And that's bad, right? That's really bad. Left to itself, Sin will destroy families, take away husbands, take away wives, separate us from our children, and even remove us from our community. Think about it. It's bad, man. Do you know anybody that sin has devastated this way? We all have it. We can't point fingers. We've all got it. And it will destroy everyone that does not experience the touch of Jesus. Jacob read and and we did that. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Seeing is bad news. Bad, bad news. I, I can't explain how bad it is with my limited uh, vocabulary and abilities. It's just we can't imagine it. Uh, as good as heaven is, Sin is that bad. Um, I, I like an R.C. Sproul quote that says the gospel is only good news if we understand the bad news. It's real. And, you know, I implore you to think about it, understand it. If not for yourselves, if you're saved, great. But for your unsaved neighbor and your unsaved friend, acquaintance at work, there's no way to cure it. You cannot fix it yourself. 
There's only one way to cleanse it. Just one. In his compassion for us, for our sake, Jesus will draw near and touch our hearts and cleanse us. All we have to do, and we've already covered it in the first chapter of Mark. I tell you, first chapter of Mark is jam-packed. We're back at verse 15. Jesus said this, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe, and let Jesus in and touch your heart and save you from the devastation of sin. That's the only way. It's the only way. Can you imagine how happy the leper was when he realized he had been cleansed? It was immediate. I mean, he would have had sores on his face, his hands, would have felt bad, um, and immediately he was healed. Can you imagine? He knew Jesus was his Lord, and his Lord said, don't tell anybody. He was cleansed, but he was also disobedient. He couldn't keep a lid on it, man. He told everybody. And that was a physical thing. You know, if he was a 40-year-old man and he lived to be 80, he was experienced that for 40 years. Sin is eternal. If you're a Christian today, are you happy about it? As happy as this guy was? I mean, we should run and tell everybody that we know. It's just like the leper did. It's amazing. Don't, don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. If, if you're here today and you're not saved and you feel something pulling on your heart, don't ignore it. That's God's spirit drawing you to him. Please don't ignore it. Talk to me, Pastor Jack, Pastor Dale. Talk to somebody. Don't let that go, man. We're going to sing a song. And as we sing this song, I want the Christians saved among you to listen to the words and sing it, man, like you mean it, right? If you're not saved, listen to the words and ponder. Ponder them. Thank you for listening to another message from the pulpit ministry of Main Street Baptist Church in Spindale, North Carolina. I hope that your soul has been edified as a result of hearing the Word of God preached and that God will continue to be glorified in your life as you worship Jesus. If you have any questions about the message you heard today, feel free to uh, check us out online and send an email. You can find us at www.mainstreetspindale.com. Or you can call us directly at 828-286-2291. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.